let's look now at our all-important radar defense screen. But your regenerated circuits are tuned asynchronously, and that causes concatenation in the intermediate amplifier. Initiated starting sequence. summer everyone it's mr meehan and i'm here today to do the english department podcast sort of in a different uh, way than we typically do it um typically our english department podcast is a conversation between two or three teachers in the department to give you some study tips on particular books uh, what we're going to do this summer is a series of what i'm going to call five minute focus uh once i sort of stop the introduction um, you'll have just about five minutes on any one of a series of topics sort of to help you steer through some common reading tricks and strategies that you'll see throughout um, all levels. And it can be particularly helpful as you're doing summer reading for yourself. You can kind of think of this as like a mini lesson uh, to help kind of steer you for summer reading, or maybe to get you ready to kind of come back into the school year uh, raring to go. And this is great for freshmen or sophomores, juniors or seniors as well. Um, so enjoy the uh, lesson today, and uh, we'll catch up with you guys next time. If you have problems, tweet at me. I'm at MeehanDJO, and I'm always happy to help you guys out however I can. Thanks again, and enjoy today's podcast. So for today's five-minute focus, we're going to focus on the first little bit of how to read Hemingway over the summer. Um, For our juniors, taking notes is sometimes tricky, and Ernest Hemingway is somebody who you need to take notes on. Uh, Not just on the author's life, that certainly can be important, but rather on his writing and his writing style. If you're reading either Sun Also Rises or Farewell to Arms this summer, you're going to find that Hemingway's writing doesn't look like anything else you've ever read. Um, He writes very short, very direct, very punchy sentences. Um, He tries to speak like a man's man, uh, sort of like how guys give one-word answers and you're expected to sort of read into the subtext. Um, That's Hemingway's trick, uh, and he does it pretty much up and down throughout every one of the works you're going to see. We'll take a look today at the first chapter of uh, Farewell to Arms. Even just by looking at the first paragraph, I'll model some reading strategies that have worked for me. Um, And again, this is just one person's thing, so you can take it or leave it. But I do find it really helpful to take notes. And sometimes when I tell students to take notes, they don't know what I mean by that. It's not just a plot summary, though that's important too. It's just little tricks you're stumbling across, or again, as you're talking about pieces of a puzzle, um, looking at an iceberg where you only get to see uh, the the tip of the iceberg. You want to sort of see if you could flesh out what what we're not seeing on the page um, as you read it through. Treat every chapter as if it's sort of a a, a piece of the puzzle and try to piece together those clues as you read. So what we'll do is we'll read the first uh, paragraph or so and I'll talk about some reading strategies that I've used there, what my notes might look like on the page, and hopefully you can sort of keep up the same pattern for yourself as you finish out the rest of the book. Um, So let's start with chapter one, uh, paragraph one. Chapter one. In the late summer of that year, we lived in a house in a village that looked across the river and the plain to the mountains. In the bed of the river there were pebbles and boulders, dry and white in the sun, and the water was clear and swiftly moving and blue in the channels. Troops went by the house and down the road, and the dust they raised powdered the leaves of the trees. The trunks of the trees, too, were dusty, and the leaves fell early that year, and we saw the troops marching along the road, and the dust rising, and leaves stirred by the breeze, falling, and the soldiers marching, and afterward, the road bare and white, except for the leaves. Okay, so let's look at this first paragraph and see the tip of the iceberg and if we can put the pieces of the puzzle together. First thing I'm noticing is uh, there's a lot of clear description here. The words are not very long. Um, 
the words are not really fancy, as, as an English teacher goes, right? If you wrote these words in your sentences, you could probably be writing this sentence when you're in about fifth or sixth grade. Um, he doesn't use very flowery language, he uses very matter-of-fact language. He doesn't describe the, the water um, using you know, crazy metaphors, he just says it's blue and it's clear. Um, a kid talks that way, uh, you know, a child talks that way, it's very, very simple, very direct. Um, so what I would do is I would just notice, if I'm like circling or making notes or things, simplicity of language is important, he's speaking very directly, he's not trying to sound super smart, um, just paying attention to author's style, that's a first impression. Um, the guy is trying to sound pretty much like a normal person, um, an everyday kind of guy. And for me as a reader, that's helpful to know that that's the type of character I'll be reading um, as I go through the book. I know he's very direct, I know he's very matter-of-fact, it sounds like he's a guy. Um, and it sounds like he's not trying to put on any show, he's telling me like it is. That helps me understand who he is as a character moving forwards, because then I can kind of make sense of the type of story he'll tell. I mean, if you meet somebody on the street and they're talking really fancy, right? Do you trust them or do you find them trying to put on a show or something? Um, where if you speak to someone, they speak very directly, as I'm trying to speak to you now. Um, you can just tell in someone's tone uh, how they're trying to come across, whether they're trying to be more honest or a little bit more elevated. And I think in this first paragraph, I mean, first impressions, it looks to me like an honest, very direct, matter-of-fact um, description. When I keep digging into that uh, subtext, however, um, I look at things that show up a lot. So if I'm underlining or I'm circling, I notice words that come up over and over again. Um, he said the word leaves like four times in that paragraph. So I don't know that that's important, but I'm guessing if he thinks to repeat the same word over and over and over again in the same paragraph, he's a professional writer, and if he's choosing to use the same word over and over, well, then that word probably is important. So if I notice the dust and the leaves and the dust and the leaves, I see the word dust coming up three or four times in the paragraph. I see the word leaves coming up three or four times. That, for me, helps to sort of establish the setting of the story. I know it's dusty, and I know that it's late summer. Um, so, of course, the leaves are already starting to turn or fall. Um, and that is helpful because then I can sort of picture for myself what the weather might look like or what um, the, the setting might be around him. Uh, so that might be part of, again, that iceberg as I dig deeper to put together the puzzle. He's really forcing us as a reader to, to kind of fill in the blanks when he leaves them there. Um, the last thing I'm noticing here is he doesn't tell me anything about who he is as an author or as a narrator. As a speaker here, I know that he lives in a house he says that there was a we who lived in that house, and it was in a village, so there's more than one person he lives with, um, or him and more than one person in the house. But I don't know anything else about him. I don't know his name. I don't know what his job is. Um, I don't know what time of year it is. Um, I don't know really what his relationship is to any of this stuff. Now, it mentions troops, so I'm assuming that it's some time during an occupied area or during a wartime, but I'm not sure. And if you flip through the rest of this paragraph, for the rest of this chapter, there's only four or five paragraphs in the chapter, he never once mentions his name anywhere in this first paragraph, this first chapter. Um, and it's even weirder because at the end of the first chapter, I love the last paragraph, it says, at the start of the winter came the permanent rain, and with the rain came cholera. But it was checked, and in the end, only 7,000 died of it in the army. Um, to me, that's like the power of understatement, and I would circle those sorts of things as I know, stumbled across them. Because as I notice these little pieces of the puzzle, he's very matter-of-fact and very direct when he says stuff. In the end, uh, only 7,000 people died. To me, as a reader, 7,000 is a lot. Um, and he says, well, only 7,000. If he's being so direct and so matter-of-fact, what I know about this man, even if he hasn't told me his name, is to him, death seems like a matter of life. And it seems like it's a matter-of-fact that you're going to encounter it. Um, 
for Hemingway, that helps me put together the piece of this puzzle that before I even read any further in this book, just while I'm taking notes in the margins, I know he's using simple language. I know he's not trying to sound elevated or smart, and we were able to sort of put together some of those pieces there. He talks about war stuff. He talks about uh, the weather, uh, leaves and dust, and the whole place feels kind of just ugly and sort of sunburnt. Um, and in the end, with the power of some understatement, even without telling you who he is, we already know so much about the guy. In the end, only 7,000 people died. Whoa, that means that he's clearly been exposed to battle for a lot of his life. And so as we go on through the story, maybe we can start to put together the pieces of why he's only giving us a little bit of that puzzle, and we try to figure out the rest from there.